Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a teacher. I, I, I don't know how they do it. Um, Pastor Ronnie and Pastor Barbie and Kevin, they get up in there so dynamic and there's props and stuff. I'm like, where is your room for your notepad and your Bible and your water bottle and the clicker? Like, where do you put stuff, right? I'm, 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 I guess uh, old school is not a cool term anymore. I'm going to say retro. <laughs> retro. Retro is acceptable now, right? Vin- vintage. Vintage throwback. I'm throwback. So, uh, so I got all my supplies here. So uh, I'm a teacher. So I'm going to be referring to notes uh, this morning. So don't be alarmed if I'm like this. Look, and then I come to you. Okay. So it's all good. Uh, we're family. So I'm just going to talk to you. Is that is that cool this morning? If we just if I just get real with you guys, can we be real with one another? Okay. Can we do that? Can you guys go ahead and put my stuff? Yes. All right, a uh, quick reminder, uh, Spring House Presents coming up June 26th. Still got slots open, okay? Still need some magicians. Landon, you been working on some tricks? Still need some cool stuff. Any plate spinners out there? Got some singers and dancers. We need some exotic acts. John, anybody? Okay, uh, we'll work on it. Anyway, still got spots available, so come see me. Uh, would you stand with me and let's, let's read the word this morning? Okay. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. A time to be born and a time to die. Father, I thank you so much. I thank you so much for this day. We're so grateful, God. Thank you for waking us up this morning, keeping us in our right minds, God. I thank you for the opportunity to share your word with my brothers and sisters, Father. I ask that you would anoint me with power for the Holy Spirit to glorify Jesus, Father. I pray that we would decrease and that He would increase in our lives, Father God. I pray that Your Word would cut deep, Father, and that it would heal, bring healing in our lives. We open ourselves up to an encounter with You, and Holy Spirit, we ask You to have Your way in this place. Do whatever You want to do to the glory of Jesus and God the Father. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen and amen. You can go ahead and be seated. So in, uh, in one sentence, in one sentence, the writer sums up the frailty of human life. He also sets the stage for one thing that controls and orders all of our life. Time. Time. We're creatures of time, are we not? Clocks and schedules. We have meetings and order and appointments and dates on the calendar and months and years and seasons. If I want to do anything with anybody, I have to see what they're doing tomorrow or later or what time the game comes on, depending on what season it is, right? What time South Carolina plays in an afternoon game, right? Are we going to do this meeting? When are we going to do this, right? Our lives are based and built around time, seasons. If you're here in Tennessee, spring, summer, fall, winter, we got them all, right? When you get older, you move to perpetual spring, summer down in Pensacola and Tampa, St. Pete. You get that area, right? You don't want to go to Miami. It's all summer, all the time. And then everything you own has to be linen, and then there's sand and all your stuff. But anyways, some people may like summer year-round. But isn't there more than just that? Right? So the Greeks, they had two, two distinct words for time. And the first one was, uh, was this. This is chronos. Uh, chronos meant chronological time. 
This is the, the ticking watches. This is the crowded calendars, lists, and agendas. And in Kronos time, success is measured by how much you get done, and rest is considered lazy. Kronos time is how we order our lives. What am I going to do tomorrow? Well, I'm going to wake up at 5, and then I'm going to be playing my game, and then I'm going to be doing my devotions, and then I'm going to be working out. I mean, we, that's how we order our lives. But the Greeks also had another word for time, and it was this. It was kairos. And kairos are, is a moment in chronological time that takes on greater than ordinary meaning. So basically, when God breaks into your circumstances with an event that gathers some of the loose ends in your life and ties them together in a nice little bow. They don't have to be spectacular. I'm not talking about Red Sea moments. I'm talking about ordinary, everyday, walking around life moments. When you look over and your five-year-old is singing worship songs, that's a Kairos moment because something you're doing is on track and on par with what God wants. But if you're not careful, you'll miss those. I had a Kairos moment break into my uh, busy life not too, a few weeks ago. Um, if you don't know, we build furniture, and we have very patient clients because a lot of times we get behind building our furniture, and I was Super Bowl behind. I mean, just way behind. Yeah, this, if, if you hear me say Super Bowl, the Super Bowl is the biggest football game. So if you attach Super Bowl to anything... I am late. No, I am Super Bowl late. That means I am the latest of the late that I can be, right? If it's something's big and it, it's Super Bowl big, then it's the biggest it can be. So, I mean, I was Super Bowl behind on a lot of my orders, okay? And so I really had a lot to do, but I had made a video about this barn in Smyrna, and I go outside and I'm ready to get to work, and this, uh, this older gentleman's in my driveway sitting on back with his arm on the back of the truck. And I was like, what is this about? So I go to talk to the guy, and he's all excited about this barn. He wants to tell me about the whole history of Smyrna and how his family's been dairy farmers for 200 years in Smyrna. I don't even think Smyrna's 200 years old. But he wants to tell me the whole history, and I'm out there for 20 minutes looking at my Kronos chronological watch, right? I'm like, come on. And then all of a sudden, he says, get in the truck. I'm like, get in the truck? <laughs> Have I been kidnapped? Look, if he was younger than 50, I'd have been like, no, man, I ain't getting your truck. But something about a, 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 a white-haired man that settled in his spirit, he didn't seem creepy. It wasn't like a van with no windows. It was like a, <laughs> it was like an actual truck. So I was like, yeah, I'll get in the truck. So I got in the truck. He took me down the road to his son's house, and he wanted to show me his son's woodworking shop. And he started telling me all about his son. I was like, oh, this is cool. So then we go back to my shop. He drops me off. I go on about my day. About an hour later, another van pulls up, a creepy van this time, right? And this guy hops out, and it's the son. And the son had no idea that the dad had come by there. And he wanted to talk about this barn that I was going to take down. He's like, man, I've been trying to get this barn for so long, da-da-da-da-da. And I'm like, well, I got to get to work, man. So then he starts asking me, well, man, this is great. Tell me about this business. So I shared the testimony of my life and how God led us to it. And he's like, what is this 30-foot painting of Jesus on the wall? And so I, I told him about renewed life. And he's like, man. And so I'm sharing all this, this stuff. And then the Holy Spirit just settled me in my spirit. And I had a Kairos moment. And I looked him right in his eyes. I said, you know what, man? I don't think you came by here for Barnwood. And he kind of took a step back. And this 50-year-old man started bawling. 
He said, man, my life is a wreck, man. I have been, I have, I, I have been drinking and smoking pot for so long and I can't hear God's voice anymore. And I told him how I wasn't even supposed to go by the barn that day because I was running out of gas, had no money in my pocket, and decided to go the long way home to make a video that was only up for 10 minutes that his dad saw that he sent to him for him to show up at my shop on a day where I had so much to do. I had so much to do. I'm still behind. I'm still Super Bowl behind. You hear what I'm saying? But I took an hour out of my day to have a Kairos moment with this gentleman. He went home and he threw, he poured all his beer out and he threw all his pipes out. And that happened on a Tuesday. If you know anything about me, um, David killed Goliath on a Tuesday. All the cool stuff happens on a Tuesday, right? Because we want Saturdays and Fridays, but if you'll just get cool with your ordinary, everyday life being a walk with God, you'll see the Kairos moments on Tuesdays. You won't get so stressed about, out about your, your day. Kairos gives chronos meaning. Kairos gives chronos meaning. And if we're not aware of what God is doing, we'll only be driven by this here. Okay? New beginnings. We all love new beginnings. Everybody loves new beginnings. We love new jobs. We love, well, teen, you don't like going to a new school, but when you graduate, you're like, oh, I'm going to college. It's a new beginning. Uh, new relationships. This is great, unless you're trying to date in your 30s and 40s, and you're like, this is a disaster, right? <laughs> but this has got to be a new relationship, because if this is me and my wife, right, we've only been married almost seven years, and she's, if I want a bite, she's like, you ordered it the same time as me. <laughs> Didn't you know... Didn't you know that you could have got a raspberry tart too and now you want some of my raspberry tart? Right? You could have got some of mine. Why you want mine, right? You take a sip, I take a sip, you take a sip. No. This has got to be a new relationship, right? So, uh, everybody loves getting new shoes. Uh, that top one, that top right was me about four years ago. But as I have matured and grown, uh, it's more of the left now. I am I'm more attracted to this left-hand side. Uh, but I put that one down there on the bottom because, you know, some ladies may, may want those. And some of y'all be like, I can't walk in those. What am I going to do with those? I'd rather have the white ones. Either way, you know how you feel when you get a new pair of shoes, right? My son would be like, Dad, look how fast I can run. I'm like, you're still, you are just as slow <laughs> as, you, as you were. And what's more amazing is, and he can run faster down the hallway of our house than he does around the bases. And, and I'm like, this defies all logic. I don't, you have cleats that can get, I don't get it. But uh, we love new beginnings. Look, babies. Oh my gosh. Look at that. We love it. Look at this baby. Where do they even make little bathrobes like that? In heaven. That's where they come from, right? Oh, that's my guy. Oh, look at him. And then look at this one. Oh! We love newness. Everybody loves babies, right? Some grandmamas especially love them because they can love on them and then send them back home. Send them back home, right? Send them back home. And then look, puppies. I was recently manipulated into getting a puppy. I'll let that sink in for a minute. They said, Lily has prayed for a puppy for two years. 
How you gonna pull that on me, right? Prayed for a puppy for two years. She can keep on praying, is what she said. Right? God ain't answering it today. And it, so, and so now, so now, every time we come home and the dog is the, the, the it's becoming a dog. I said, you know, puppies become dogs, right? Puppies do. Be, they don't stay like this. If it was a perpetual puppiness state, I'd have it forever. But when we come home, and something chewed up. I said, let's get a puppy. They said, let's get a puppy, right? Look at these. Oh my gosh. Oh my goodness. We love it. We love things when they're in this stage. Oh, the beginning is fantastic. Look at that. Oh, I cannot handle. Do you think you can handle any more cuteness, right? But what's even better than babies and puppies is babies and puppies. <laughs> oh, I took it there. I took it there, right? Uh, you brace yourself for this next one, right? Oh. Oh, God, Lord in heaven, I don't think I can handle any more. What would you do with yourself if you walked in the room and saw that? You'd be like, I, what do you do with yourself in life? How do you take that photo and not sob and wake everybody up? Oh, my gosh, it's cuteness overload. We love, we love new beginnings. We love them. We love the beginning of a thing. But we don't, we don't like when things come to an end. We, we love the, there is a time to be born, but we try to breeze by and a time to die. There's a time to be born and a time to die. When death is just as big of a part of reality as the life. Some of us have friendships and relationships that should have, should have died a long time ago. Toxic relationships that should have come to an end that we're still somehow trying to hold on to. Do we realize that no is anointed just as much as yes is? But yet we won't let things go. We won't realize that there is a season for everything. A time to be born and a time to die. Several weeks ago, uh, Pastor Ronnie um, said something, a quote, and it is rattled. It is rattled inside of my head for, for so many weeks. He said, a good death is necessary for a good life. And uh, in other words, a good death gives a good life meaning or value. And so I, I started thinking, well, what is, a, what is a good death? What, is, what does that mean? What is a good death? I mean, how do you die a good death? So immediately, me being a guy, I went to, um, this, is where I, this is where I go, right? I go to William Wallace, okay? First one, Scotsman, right? The first son, and I think of him, you know, crying out, freedom, right? As he's dying for what he believed in for his country. I'm like, ah, it's the way to go. And then um, I think of the, the Japanese samurai. Right? They have a right, they have a ritual called harakiri. And this was a way to either die with honor or restore honor to your family. If if honor had been stripped from your family, uh, a Japanese samurai could uh, commit harakiri, which basically he would take a tanto and stab himself, and then another samurai would use the katana to swap his head off. And that was an honorable way to die. I'm not 
not saying it's, it is a good death. I'm just saying in this culture, that was an admirable and honorable way to die. For the American soldier, there would be no greater honor than to die in battle, to lay down their life for their country. Revolutionary war. Um, I don't know if the Civil War would be considered the same thing because it was all we all who won? Nobody. We didn't win. We lost that one. All of us did. Um, but I think of uh, Afghanistan. I think of soldiers in in Vietnam and in Iraq and and laying down their lives for what they believed in. Right. It's what I think of when I think of a good death. I also think of something a little closer to home. This is uh this is Derek Faulkner. If you don't know Derek. Um, you'll meet him one day. Derek was my mentor. Derek was like a father to me. He was a father. He was the director of Renewed Life Ministries, which is a one-year program for guys who struggle with drugs and alcohol addiction. I was a graduate of that program in 2012. I was actually Derek's first graduate. And Derek was a uh, graduate himself. Derek was a drug addict. Derek struggled for years. He'd tell you he went to eight programs, and his wife would tell you he went to nine programs. <laughs> so he went to nine programs, and, um, and uh, he was the director for seven years, which uh, was the year of Jubilee. He got stomach cancer in November of last year, and then in January, he had a feeding tube put in during his chemo and radiation. He got an infection in his feeding tube and just went downhill like that. And he was laying in the hospital and I got a call uh, on a Sunday and they said, you need to come say goodbye to Derek. And as they get down there, he's got the breathing tube in and, and his son is there and they said, we're going to take the, feeding, the breathing tube out and when we do, it's going to make you feel like you're drowning. Um, do, do you, we're going to give you some morphine to, make, to ease the pain. And Derek said, no. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ride what I believe in all the way out. I want to know what it feels like to die. See, for him, because he was a drug addict, he didn't want the pain meds. I'm not saying for, for all that's the case, but for Derek, that was a good death. Though he slay me, I want to feel what it feels like to die. I'm, I'm only going to have it one time. It's a good death for Derek. So it made me think, if that's a good death, what's a bad death, right? All right? Is, uh, is uh, a drug overdose considered a bad death? What about suicide? Right? Somebody takes their own life. Not Harakiri, right? <laughs> you ain't going to hear about that in Smyrna. What about Islamic terrorists or jihadists? That's considered admirable and honorable to them. They're dying for something they believe in. Is that a bad death? This was considered a bad death. How would you feel if, if you just took all your clothes off right now and you stood in front of everybody and you threw the looms or hangs or whatever you got on? Some of us would be all right. Some of us probably wouldn't be all right. But now let's have, have all the flesh ripped off of your back Okay, while you're in your, your skivvies, okay, for my sins, 
And as if that wasn't bad enough, they took and nailed him to a Roman cross. They nailed his feet and nailed his hands. We think of it like this. It's probably more like this. So every time he wanted to take a breath, he had to push himself up on those nails as he slowly suffocated to death. He chose the point in Kronos time to come and die that was the most amount of excruciating pain. The Roman cross was the worst way to die. And they offered him two types of wine. They offered him the first that was a painkiller, and he said no to that. The second one was like ancient Gatorade. The sour wine, they used to give it to Roman soldiers so they could fight longer. So he said, I'll say no to what's going to take away the pain, and I'll say yes to the thing that's going to make it last a little bit longer. What? What? But to the world, it was a shameful way to die. So it got me thinking, is this... Is this all that death is? Or is there, is there more to this? How do I die? Because I don't know that I'm going to die like that. I don't know when death's going to come for me. And so as I've been rattling this around, as I've been praying through this, I said, God, how do I die? How will I die? And he said, here's how you die. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a German theologian, pastor, and Nazi dissident, and he wrote in The Cost of Discipleship, when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. That's, the, that's on the first page of the book. And I, I read it and I closed the book for one month. I said, I ain't ready to die. I am not ready to die. I got stuff to do. I'm supposed to live long and prosper, right? You got plans to prosper me and not harm me. All things are working for my good. Isn't it what we say? We, we love Romans 8.28. All things work together for the good of those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. But we don't want 29, which says the reason why it all works together for my good is because it's making me more like Jesus. Newsflash, God's not concerned about me being happy in life. He's making me more like Jesus. He's calling me to a holy life. My marriage is not about me being happy. My whole world's not built around me being happy. My kids, I'm not raising them so I can make them happy all the time, parents. So I'm trying to make your kids happy all the time. Raising little people here, and they're getting so used to getting what they want all the time and us making them happy. God's not concerned with us being happy all the time. That's why we take the easy way out. That's why we don't do anything that bumps us up against adversity because it makes us uncomfortable and we're not willing to grow because that might make me holy. That might stretch me. That might make me die. And I don't want that. I ain't got time to die today. Jesus said in Mark 8.34, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. So how do I die? As Andrew Murray wrote, if pride doesn't die in me, nothing of heaven can live inside of me. That's how I die. You want to know how dangerous pride is? It's one of the six things that God hates in Proverbs 6. We all talk about God as love. God hates pride. Hates it in me. It's the first step on the path of destruction. Several years ago, I had hurt my back at work, and there was a, a co-worker that said, hey, I got some things that will help take that pain away. Literally, this is what I said. Literally. I have been clean for three and a half years. I've got this. You're an idiot. 
I might as well say, thank you, God. It's my bus stop. I got it. I'll be, I know where I'm at, right? Took me about 30 seconds. As soon as I took that first one, I was like, yeah, about 15, 20 more. Because that's what happens. Pride is the first step on the path of destruction. It's what caused Satan to be kicked out of heaven. And lately, I have changed my thinking to believe that Satan was probably a teenager when he got kicked out of heaven. I'm, I'm just saying, it doesn't say how old he was. Think about it. Teenagers are rebellious. You don't tell me what to do. I'll be God. I'll play God. I'll be on the throne. Just give me my music and all my boys are coming with me. Think about it. Teenagers make bad decisions. I'm not saying you always make. We make bad decisions too. You hear my life. But y'all make poor choices too, okay? Satan's probably a teenager when he got kicked out of heaven. Okay? That's not, that's not theology. Don't look. Don't just follow along with all that. Or you can. It was the original sin in the garden. There's over 58 verses about pride and boasting in the Bible. But let me bring it a little bit closer to home. Anytime you bow up to criticism, pride. And, I, and I, I'm tired of all this. Well, consider the source. Girl, she don't know you. She can't just say whatever she wants. I don't care whoever says whatever they want. How you receive them, whatever they say. I am not responsible for what, for what, what you say to me. I'm responsible for how I receive it in my heart. And when I want to bow up and be like, you don't know me like that, it's pride. It's pride. Anytime you refuse to confess your sin to others, it's pride. I, just, I can just carry this. I'll just do better next time. No, you won't. No, you're not. You're no match for sin. Anytime you think you can do your job or your schoolwork without God's help, that's pride. I got this. Anytime you refuse to accept a gift or a blessing from somebody, somebody trying to bless you, and you're like, no, 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 no. That's pride. Never asking for help or directions, guys. Speaking of guys, anytime you go to your wife talking about my needs aren't being met. Yeah. Yeah, my needs aren't being, yeah, it's pride. Unforgiveness in your heart, pride. Lying because it's hiding your faults, it's pride. Anytime you're afraid and fear creeps in, that's saying God isn't big enough. Political debate is all led by pride. Addictions, every single one of them is pride. Did I miss anybody? Anybody? I got get anybody. Is anybody out there I miss? Hang on, I can, let's see what I got. What I got left. Dying to self is never portrayed as optional in the Christian life. This is not portrayed as optional. This is not, this is, Jesus didn't say, look, he, he, you know, he, maybe if you want to, he said, if, if any man is going to come after me, if, if you want to come after me, this is what you've got to do. You've got to deny yourself. Pick up your cross and, and come on. This is the reality of our new birth. I have to die daily. So Pastor Ronnie was right. A good death is necessary for a good life. Me dying to what I want to do. Laying my life down every single day. Being keenly aware of those Kairos moments because my pride says, man, I got a lot to do today, man. I ain't got time for you, Troy. That's pride. When we get too busy for God. 
to move in our life and our circumstances. And it don't have to be the Troy moments. It's mommy, 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 will you look at this? Watch me do this. You just did that. You just did that three times. Why do I got to stop and watch you? Because it matters to them and it matters to God. How many times we come to God with something stupid? God, watch me do this. Watch me do this, God. And he's like, yeah, I see you. That's what we do. God, watch me do this. Thank you so stupid. Ah, it's beautiful. I love it, right? I love it. Well, those are going to serve communion this morning. This is this is where this is where we come to die. Yeah. Can we can we be done playing church? Can we be done playing church games? Can we be done coming here and getting all excited and then and then and then going home and just forgetting about it? Can we be done trying to walk things out on our own strength? Can we be done trying to carry sin saying I don't want to do it again. I won't do it again. I won't do it again. I won't do it again. I don't need to tell anybody. I'll just, I'll just, I'll try better. I'll be better. I'll try harder. I don't need to talk to my wife about it. Can we be done with that? Can we rid ourselves of pride? I can't. I can't. I have to come to this table every single day and die. This isn't reserved for Sunday morning only. This is every day of our lives. 